What's happening, Timberwolves fans, Twin Cities listeners, and around the globe? Because that's the beauty of the interweb. You're tuned in to the Coach and the Culture podcast. I am Coach Frank, along with Super Producer Lloyd Leon Coop, and of course, none other than the owner proprietor of Yes Trees, Lance Gardner. What's happening, y'all? What's up? I'm 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 officially more than the owner and. And proprietor of Yes Trees, I'm now the co-host of this podcast right alongside with you. So that feels good, too. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. He's an owner, uh, small business owner, podcast co-host, husband. Congratulations from the podcast. You know, I've been knowing. But congratulations from the Coach in the Culture podcast because we have yet to say that to you, uh, newlywed. And soon to be first time father, man, life, life treating you all right, man. Yes, I, I can't complain. It's definitely a change and a shift, but it's, you know, it just means I'm growing up a little bit. Just a little bit. You and Anthony Edwards both. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, Twin, Twin Cities, we are glad that you are tuned in to another episode of the Coach and the Culture podcast. Um what a great time to be running a Timberwolves podcast. So far this season has turned out to be everything we thought it was going to be last year when we started the idea of joining the Timberwolves podcast pantheon. Um, and now the Timberwolves are giving everybody a reason to listen in, to hear what people have to say. And if you're a first-time listener, uh, we talk about the games. We talk about the players. Uh, most importantly, we talk about maybe what's going on in Coach Chris Finch's mind, uh, some of the decisions he makes, um, the ridiculousness of the fire Finch uh, part of the fan base that I consistently say doesn't know what they're talking about. Well, you can argue with us all you want when you tune into the coach and the culture. You can send me all of your hate mail. You can tell me all the reasons why Coach Chris Finch needs to go. But we're going to talk about all the reasons why he's the right coach for this team and why he needs to stay. And since I coach basketball and have for many, many years, I'd like to think that I come from an educated perspective. So thank you all for tuning in to the coach and the culture podcast. We're going to get this show on the road, man. Three games last week, three victories. Against good teams. Against quality teams. A 4-0 homestand. Yeah. And, and we got their first road win of the season. Yeah. And we were – we knew just based off of the last last podcast, you know, how big this stretch was. And you know, I, I think we talked about, you know, being close in the games and competing and, and you know, being at this point where we're kind of expecting them to find ways to win these games. Um, I didn't know if they were going to end up three and zero in this home stretch or this stretch, but uh, they did. And they looked, they looked real good while doing it. Absolutely. And, and the defense has been consistent and constant. Um, even if had some weebles and some wobbles, uh, especially against the Spurs on, and when getting their first road victory last game and a little bit in the first quarter against the Pelicans. And and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what's been the bugaboo in a segment that we're going to bring back called Concerning Trends and Hope It Never Ends. But before we get into all of that, let's go back to last uh, Monday night, the night after our last podcast. And we talked about how the Celtics 
was going to be not only a formidable challenge, obviously, but also a measuring stick to see where this team was at. You said that the Celtics was going to test their defense, obviously being the number one uh, offensive team in the league coming into that game. And I thought that the Celtics were actually going to test their offense because at the time I believe the Celtics were number two in defense and very equipped to get offense off of their defense. And so I thought that, you know, what was going to be uh, a big telltale sign was to see how well the Wolves operated late shot clock, to see how well they protected the ball against the Celtics, to see how professional their offense was because they could play good defense against the Celtics and still get beat handily if their offense didn't complement their defense. And uh, lo and behold, my man, uh, both ends showed up. Man, they needed both of them, and you need you need both ends when you're talking about championship quality basketball against teams like the Celtics. And um, they they came through on both of those fronts, and they're all star, superstar, soon to be, I think, face of the league player. Um, did what he was supposed to do to end that game, and it was it was you know we were texting during the game and. You were saying this is one for the ages, and um, I think that was, as a team, that was kind of their coming out party, um, kind of showing what they're really capable of, and Ant um, showing what he's capable of doing as well um, when when the when the lights are shining brightest. And I think in that game, you really saw a couple subtle things. Um, you saw the relationship between Chris Finch and Anthony Edwards and how that relationship really is building and setting the culture of the team. You know, a lot was talked about how Chris Finch didn't overreact to the second half in the Atlanta game where they completely let go of the rope and got blown out by 40 in the second half of that game. And then they turn around and they come back and they and they beat the Nuggets and he wasn't all giddy and ecstatic over the fact that they beat the Nuggets. And, you know, he was just kind of even keeled. And Anthony Edwards has many times uh, come out publicly and talked about how, you know, he's got Chris Finch's back and that and, and how much he uh, admires Chris Finch as a coach. And I think that what you saw in that Celtics game was a team that realized in that moment during that game that they have a chance to win any game because on any given night and on most nights, they have the best player on the floor on their team. And when you can go toe-to-toe with Jason uh, uh, with uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and your two young guys, Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels, um, led by Ant, show that against that elite duo, they can be just as elite on both ends of the floor. And then Anthony Edwards can be the best player on the floor. And Chris Finch can um, maintain kind of that even kill composure throughout the course of the game. I thought he did an excellent job of pulling strings as a coach in that game. I thought that um, when Carl Anthony Towns was kind of having his meltdown in that game, if you, you know this, Chris Finch didn't change expression and Anthony Edwards didn't change expression. They just kept going about their business. And yeah. no matter what was going on with Carl Anthony Towns, they were not going to let that deter their focus on that game. And I think that's a real subtle thing that um, if you've played and you've played on a team 
where you know that you have a guy that is the most dominant player on the floor and your coach um, has that relationship with that guy. Um, uh, my my personal example was um, when I was coaching uh, Geno Crandall in AAU and we were in South Dakota and um, a kid called Geno a, 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 a racist slur in the game and and Gino started to lose it and he got teed up and I and and Gino and I had a good relationship. We had a relationship where I could throw him out of the gym during practice <laughs> um because he was, you know, going through whatever he was going through mentally that day, but then bring him back the next day and, you know, we could talk about it. And uh, I was able to kind of calm him down. At halftime we were down like nineteen and uh I think Gino put up a thirty ball in the second half. And we went on and won that game. Um, and it was like, we have the best player on the floor. And we, had, me and that player had that relationship where we both were on the same page about what needs to be done and how to go about doing it. And nothing that was going on outside of that was going to deter that focus. And that's what I saw between Ant and Chris Finch in that Celtics game. And really a game the Wolves should have won in regulation. And then, of course, Ant completely dominated and took over in overtime. And I think that was a statement game for the rest of the league. You know, the Celtics came in undefeated and walked out with an overtime L and Ant outplayed Tatum and Brown and Jade McDaniels, again, being pulled along by Ant, right? That kick out that Ant made to Jaden to kind of pull him out of his doldrums right after he missed that layup and you know, and, I, and I'll let you jump in here real quick, but one thing I want to point out for those of you who um, maybe quite don't quite understand how much of a Jedi mind that Ant had on that play. So Jaden misses that wide open layup and Rudy gets to put back and gets the dunk. Jaden's sulking his shoulders. Chris Finch is yelling at him to get back. The bench is yelling at him to get back. You know, Jaden's trying to stay in it. Boston misses a three from the corner. I think it was Pritchard missed a wide open three from the corner and got that rebound. And before he crossed half court, he hunted out and identified Jaden streaking down the right sideline. And he just looked at him and saw him heading toward that corner, knowing where he was going to be. And then he manipulated the rest of the defense, the rest of Boston's defense. He manipulated them knowing before he crossed half court, he was going to pass that ball to Jaden in the corner. And basically when he passed it to him, it was almost like, like, uh, tele, like, like, uh, uh, a telepathy. And it was like, you better shoot this shit, shoot it and make it. And let's go. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, Jaden McDaniels was a different player in that game. And that, that's when I, I tweeted that was leadership exclamation point. And I was watching the game about 20 minutes behind real time because I was watching on DVR. And I don't know how many people knew exactly what I was pointing to. And I didn't know what was going on 20 minutes ahead in the game. But at that moment, right then and there, Ant had the pulse of all of the young guys. Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley, they already believed in him. You know, Kyle said when he came over here, one of the reasons he came over here as a free agent was because of Anthony Edwards. But in that moment, his road dogs, Jaden McDaniels, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Nas Reed, the young crew, 
they knew they had they had their uh they had their leader right yeah. In- yeah there's there's a few things you just said but that that one specifically um i don't know so, a couple of things i pay attention to in watching the game are just their their communication with one another on the court like after he passed that ball to you know to him for the three i believe celtics called the timeout yeah. and um you know they're showing the replay and after he passed it to him he knocked it down and then he like basically ran up to him and he's like yeah like that's my like, let's go yeah so you know what, out and, yeah and and what you know i i talked about it last year same same situation watching you know how they interact with each other because I've, I've played so i know when someone is not feeling someone or you you know they're you, you can only put on such a front but you can I, I can read past how they truly feel about each other and um you know i said this last year when rudy first came around Ant was not feeling rudy because of the type of player that he was and he was more so feeling he was in his way than he was anything and so it kind of caused some tension early on that i was witnessing just on their body mannerisms and how they interacted with each other um but that pass to uh to mcdaniels was was that spark and you've said that he played better that game but if you look at how mcdaniels has approached each game since then he seems to be way more aggressive way more confident he's he's taking pull-ups he's He's getting himself more involved offensively on top of his defensive side, and I think that's also coming from Ant's belief in him, letting him know, you know, people talking about whose team is this. Well, I think it's very clear at this point whose team this is, um, and it's not because Ant's scoring more points or doing more things, but if you look at who people are looking to for that leadership, it's Ant, and it's yeah. not how he's, yes, he's playing well, but it's also how he's carrying himself. Um with those extra passes he's you know that moment and then the next two games um you know I talked about I think we were we were not on podcast but we were just talking and I said it's going to be you know very I'm I'm curious to know how, what Ant is going to come play against the Pelicans right because we just had this massive game he just went crazy um the the older Ant that I remember would have came out and kind of stayed tunnel vision on scoring and, and staying being that alpha when it comes to scoring um, but it, from what I recall watching the first, the whole first half of that game, his objective was pass the ball, pass the ball. I think he had eight assists in the first half. Yeah. And he still ended up with 29 points. And that's the next step that we just talked about last week of his overall mentality, more than just scoring and, and, and sticking to the defensive side of the ball, getting people involved, that entire leadership that if he brings every single game, this team is going to be very hard to beat. Um, so him and Jaden McDaniels on that one play, I think, set a tone for themselves individually, them two together, um, and then everyone else will follow. Yeah, and it wasn't just, you know, Jaden that he boosted on that play, but, you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker had been struggling with his shot through the first few games of the season, and, you know, he talked about the timeout that Boston called after uh, and uh, hit Jaden McDaniels for that corner three. But right out of the timeout, the next possession, uh, the next Timberwolves possession on offense, Nikhil Alexander-Walker comes down and knocks down a three. And that kind of got him going a little bit. And I think he's played much better since the Celtics game um, in the two games since. on. Um, and he's been bringing the D all season, but they need him to to also be kind of that player that he was for Team Canada during FIBA. And you're starting to see that player 
surface uh, after again that that seminal moment in the Celtics game, and then you know and carrying them uh, the rest of the way, and then going back to Chris Finch. Yeah, it was a bad cat game, and you know Chris Finch was asked about it, and he made a point to bring up that you know cat played. You know, even though the shooting percentages weren't high, he played well against the Nuggets. He played well against the Jazz, and he got in foul trouble against the Celtics, and then just you know. Um, it was one of them frustrating games where he can't, he never could quite find his rhythm. And, uh, you know, and so he was, again, he didn't get too high. He didn't get too low. He wasn't down on Caddy. He, he's like, I'm not worried about Carl Anthony Towns. He's still trying to find his way in, you know, having to make more of an adjustment than anybody else on our team with Rudy coming over. But we're not worried about Caddy's an all NBA player for a reason. I think, you know, going back to the coaching mentality, he is. Somebody said it to me before the season started that they thought the best thing about Chris Finch last season was he turned out to be a great baseball manager over the course of 82 games. And he's really showing that he's an outstanding manager of personalities and an outstanding manager of energy. Um, And that's what you need as an NBA coach, along with obviously being a good X's and O's person. Um, you know, because really the number one thing when you're coaching in the NBA, I think, is managing egos and personalities and and keeping everybody kind of keeping the ship on the same, uh, you know, course and keep and keeping everybody focused. And um, that Boston game had a lot of ebbs and flows, highs and lows. Um, it was a legendary performance by Ant, not only in the fact that he scored and the, what he did in overtime, but as you talked about, how he empowered his teammates and basically, you know was like, hey, look, I can't do this by myself. I need y'all to come on, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, Nall was playing better. You know, uh, um, Jaden was playing better. Nas was playing better because, uh, you know, it was kind of him against the Celtics for a while in that game. Uh, he was keep- keeping them afloat. And uh, once that moment came, uh, everybody kind of started to pitch in. And that set the tone. I was at the – let's segue to the Pelicans game. So they get the win – against Boston in overtime. I think that was um I think that was a statement game as we talked about in terms of, you know, you can talk about whose team is this. You know, I made the statement that Rudy is the uh middle linebacker that every defense needs and Mike Connolly is the quarterback that every offense needs. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely your star player, you know. Um and 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 Cat is that you know if Ants Randy Moss then Cat's Chris Carter, you know, um, yeah, or at least they need him to be. Yeah, that that and, part. And, and then, or, or you could say you know Cat's Robert Smith, and 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 then they need Jaden to be Chris Carter, that that steady you know possession guy. But they 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 have their their signal callers and they have their superstar, right? Um. And then you come into the Pelicans game and they were intentional. Chris Finch was intentional about getting Carl Anthony Towns going in that game. And I think you mentioned and still ended up with 29. I think he ended up actually with 26, but most of those in the fourth quarter um, and, and late in the third quarter, Cat had 23. Most of those throughout the first three quarters of the game, early in the game. And it was, it, it, you know, it was like, okay, let's get Cat going. Let's use this game to get Cat going. Um, and was very much deferring, very much the facilitator, 
Um, I was at the game, and it was funny because I was sitting in the suite, the Minnesota Black Basketball Coaches Association. Uh, thank you, Ashley um, Ellis Milan, um, who's uh, the head girls coach over at uh, Eastview, but also um, working with the Timberwolves organization with their youth camps. She got us all of us coaches a suite, and I'm sitting in the in the suite with one of the coaches about three quarters in, and uh, one of the coaches says, "Man, this game is boring." <laughs> and, and and so I immediately pulled up the title of our last episode, <laughs> you know, and uh, and showed it to her, and she started cracking up. Um, and I said, "Yeah, it, it's boring because for the Timberwolves, boring is good, right?" We, we want boring. Boring means that they are playing well. Boring means that they are, that they are, that they're doing their thing. And so, um, and so, you know, our last episode is called Coach Finch and his beautifully boring ballers. And then, of course, Chris Finch catches some flack on Twitter for our keeping the starters into a 20 point game, you know, well past midway through the fourth quarter. And I responded, Look, he's keeping them in because they're winning, but they're not playing the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not playing defense the way that they need to be playing defense. They're not moving the ball the way that they need to be moving the ball. And, you know, Chris Finch Damsher wasn't going to let a 20-point lead slip away at home to an undermanned Pelicans team, give them momentum, and then have to hear that from the fans. <laughs> yeah, and there there were definitely times, you know, in that fourth quarter where they were they just kept coming at them and they they never had that comfortable okay we could take our players out lead now you still could have done it and maybe got away with it but you never felt like okay this game is now finalized um and on top of what you said about them needing to you know play and end the game the right way adding on to that if you look back last year they were in situations and the year before that time and time again where they were blowing those 18 point leads in the fourth quarter and so you have to, at this point in the year, um, use this as a lesson to, you know, further their experience and their knowledge in these moments because that's been something that fans and critics have been talking about for the past two years and has been factual on why we have lost games um, come end of year in playoff time. And so as a coach, when you think about, okay, that was a problem. How do we fix it? Well, yeah. we wait until next year when we have these same opportunities and we're going to do something different. I'm going to let you guys stay out there and let you figure out how to keep your energy high enough, even though you have a 20-point lead, so we don't end up in the same exact position, which is, again, more coaching. Now, that's pretty basic in my mind when it comes to you know helping solve that solution. I don't think that's rocket science, um, but that's a positive thing for Coach, Coach Finch, Finch that he's doing the basics at least <laughs> yeah. and, and and when you have a team that you're trying to preach the mantra of play mature basketball play your winning style no matter what the other team is doing don't worry about what's going on with the other team if we play our winning style with our personnel we're going to be fine um and i think you you know he has a team that you know like we like we talked about their leader is 22 years old he has a tendency to turn it on and turn it off and I think Chris Finch is trying to get rid of the turn it off mentality. And I think that Pelicans game, they weren't playing particularly well in the fourth quarter. I think they all ultimately ended up almost giving up a 40 point quarter um, in that fourth quarter. And I know the Pelicans ended up getting over 100 points when they shouldn't have. It's the only reason 
uh, Nico and I stayed into the very end of the game because we were we had a little a gentleman's wager as to whether or not the Pelicans were going to score 100 points or not. And I told him that the Pelicans were going to score 100 points because I could see how the Timberwolves mentally were navigating the fourth quarter. He was going, no, no, they're not going to get there. They're not going to get there. And, of course, they score 101 points. <laughs> but um, and but it's funny, real quick, you know, I, I was watching that game and everybody had the same mindset you had was, are they going to hold them under 100? Are they going to hold them under 100? And as soon as they hit that three, it was like, did we just lose the game? <laughs> it was like, oh man, every, it was the I was the, the the announcers were like, the whole energy just shifted. They're like, well, we don't really know what to say right now. Kind of <laughs> like we just lost the game. <laughs> Mike, Michael and Jim were pretty irritated too. I, I I did listen to him when I got home, and I was like, yep, that's what we were saying in the building too. <laughs> yeah, but that's that. It's so cool to have that. I mean, that's the standard. That is yeah. in today's NBA. To try your to try to hold teams under a hundred points, that is a culture and a standard that the Wolves haven't had for. I mean, Absolutely. most te- most teams don't have that. <laughs> most teams don't have that. That's right. something. If you can if, if you can put so much effort into defense that you're holding today's teams under a hundred points or making a conscious effort to when it's close. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's 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 beautiful. You know, I um. I was reminded when I watched that all go down of uh, the 2010 St. Paul Johnson 32-0 state championship team with your cousin playing point guard, my nephew. And um, and I just remember they were – I was at a game and they were beating the brakes off of somebody. I mean, they were just stomping them. And Vern's the legendary Vern Simmons, who should be in the Hall of Fame as a coach – um, did Vern make it to the Hall of Fame yet? No, I don't think he did make it yet, and he should be. He should be in the Hall of Fame as a coach. But nonetheless, um, I asked Vern after the game, I said, Vern, why are you still full-court pressing y'all up like 40 with like two minutes left? Why are y'all still full-court pressing? And he said, my boys, I can't I can't not – they only know one way to play. He's like, I can't – he's like, I tell other coaches before the game, we're going to do what we do no matter the score of the game. He said, because – the moment I flipped the off switch with them, they might not turn it back on. Right. He said, I know my players and it's not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to my other, you know, my coaching opponent, but I know my boys and my boys, I can't flip an off switch ever, you know? And that's what I was thinking about in the Pelicans game. I was like, Chris Finch has kind of got a team where they're, they're off. Is so ugly. Their off switch is such ugly basketball. And until they can get that out of their DNA, he can't really afford to flip the off switch with them. And yeah, they're professionals and you want to avoid injuries. And, you know, the less minutes that you can put on the body of Mike Conley and, and Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert, the better. But, you know, here's Mike Conley out there in a 20-point game with six and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And Mike didn't seem to be complaining. It's like, the vets understand that until these young boys get it, this is how we have to operate because the Atlanta game, even the vets went into halftime locker room a little bit too jovial, a little bit too giddy. And we already talked about how, you know, the 22-year-old came out with just a crappy energy and focus in the second half and it kind of torpedoed the whole game. 
And, you know, Chris Finch is not going to allow that to happen again, but I also think Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert are not going to allow that to happen again. And uh, so, you know, those who don't understand those mental dynamics can be critical of Chris Finch, you know, for keeping his starters out there with a 20-point lead against the undermanned New Orleans team. But I think the message is keep the on switch flipped on so that when those bench guys do come in the game, they come in the game to an energy that's already set. They don't come into a game with an energy of a bunch of starters that then let go of the rope a little bit and relax, and now they come in and they're relaxed, and all of a sudden I got to put them back in the game because with two minutes to go, the lead's down to nine, right? right. And so I, I really think I have to lower my expectations of listeners, like not in a just in a sense of they don't play basketball or haven't, and definitely – and some of them having coached. Um, and so when the the fact that, you know, even I feel like watching that, yes, if you're if you're up comfortably and everything's going smooth and like I said, I don't feel like they ever got to that point, um, then yes, you take your starters out. But to watch the game and not understand kind of what we just explained that there's reason like these are the simple reasons behind why they're still in the game. Um, and it's, it's hard, you know, when you're going back and forth on Twitter, you're talking to somebody who doesn't really understand that portion. It's hard to not, like I'm telling myself, just expect them to not try to defend and say, well, they could get hurt and they could this. Well, yes, they could, but we're also trying to win a championship. And these are the things that need to be done to get there. Exactly. And, and, and that identity is not set in stone. And quite honestly, they beat an undermanned Pelicans team by 20 but i wouldn't say they played great they played a good second quarter and they played a decent third quarter they didn't play a great first quarter and they didn't play a great fourth quarter um but when they were on defensively oh my god that second and third quarter defensively woo, there i mean my goodness it was a sight to behold but in the fourth quarter you could tell that was kind of like okay you know, this this game's over, and it's the NBA. The other guys have professionals. As we very well know, 20-point leads disappear at the snap of fi- at a finger snap in the NBA, even against the undermanned team. And again, it's about setting your style and setting your identity. And Chris Finch, I think, wanted to send the message to them that, you know, we have to play a certain way all the time, regardless of opponent, regardless of score because that's the only way we're going to get to where we want to get to. And so, yes, it was a buzzkill that they gave up that last three and gave up 101 points to the Pelicans. Um, but it was a 20-point win. And and I do believe the Wolves are top five in the league and uh, and point differential right now because and, – and really they'd probably be number one in the league if it wasn't for that Atlanta debacle uh, right. you know, in point differential. And so now you look up and you say, okay – a 4-0 homestand in which they beat the Nuggets and the Celtics, um, who both came into Target Center undefeated. Um, they beat the Jazz, who were a bugaboo for them last year. And then they beat an undermanned Pelicans team in kind of a handle business game. And then they got to go on the road, their first game in the uh, NBA in-season tournament uh, against the Spurs team that I believe had lost three in a row uh, coming in. Uh, and your first look at Wim, Wimbenyaba, the alien, Wimby, 
And I was curious to see how they would approach offense against Wimby, um, especially assuming that the Spurs were going to uh, use Wimby to kind of roam off of Gobert um, and, and and cause havoc in the paint. And, you know, again, we want to talk about Chris Finch and people want to get on him from when he's what he doesn't do well in their minds. But, man, how big was it that he got Carl Anthony Towns going early and often in the Pelicans game because look who shows up and leads the team in scoring and has a really nice, efficient 29-point night, 29-point double-double in the Spurs game, none other than Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. uh, I I really feel like he accepted the challenge in that game. I think that he knew what he was getting faced with. I think that he had a rocky start to the year and um, he... He woke up that day and chose violence. And uh, man, and, and, I, go ahead. I was gonna say, and also knowing that he was gonna see Zach Collins probably was pretty good for his mood as well. Because anytime you get ready to go see a guy that you dropped sixty on a year ago, a couple of years ago, like, oh wait, who's my matchup tonight? Oh, the dude I dropped sixty on. Oh yeah, I'm feeling right. real good today. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have some nice breakfast. <laughs> yeah, and I couple couple times he he kept his emotions in check, and I, it was I think that he's realizing, and we've said this before, and he's done this before. He's kept his emotions in check for spurts, and he's looked phenomenal. And then he goes backwards. So who knows if that's gonna happen again? Um, but in this game, he seemed more mature. He seemed more under control. He seemed less emotional. Um, and the way that Ant's been playing, I I feel like Cat is kind of at a juncture where he feels like he needs to figure some things out um, because the team, like you said, um, is not feeding into him anymore. And it's either... I kind of figure it out and I get on board with this or this team is going to keep on rolling without me um, and mentally. Well, I've heard behind the scenes that there is some serious accountability with Cat in terms of his antics and keeping his energy and emotions in check. Um, I think that this is a team that whether it be Ant as a young guy or whether it be Mike and Rudy as veteran guys um, are, are in Cat's ear um, about that. You know, as much as I would love to say that he saw my tweet close circuit to Cat, <laughs> that the, the youth are watching uh, because when we left the Pelicans game, uh, Nico, my other son said, I just don't understand why, you're winning by 20. You're having a good game. Why do you have to behave that way? Talking about Carl Anthony Towns' antics. He's like, it does he's like, it doesn't make sense. I just can't be good for the team that you're behaving that way when you're up by 20 and you're having a good game. And so I tweeted something to that extent, you know, cold circuit cat, the youth are watching. You know, because I thought about it as a basketball coach. Like, man, we we would like we're coaching high school kids. And, you know, we don't have a lot of kids on our team that watch the Wolves or watch pro basketball. But I think and I don't think a lot of high school kids do, but I think a lot of elementary age kids do. I think a lot of middle school age kids do. And 
you are setting an example, whether you want to accept that or not, in terms of body language and how you, you know, respond to adversity with officials and things like that, that these young kids are watching. Um, I'm positive Kat never saw my tweet, but, but I do think that behind the scenes that there's some accountability. And I do think that um, his antics in the Pelicans game were probably more of an irritant than they were um, his antics in the Boston game. Because the Boston game, it was kind of like, we ain't even got time to worry about that. Like, mm-hmm. we're trying to do the game. And Ant Finch was just like, you know, everybody was just like, whatever. We we have no time for that. You know, we're going against the Eastern Conference favorites. The Pelicans game is a different story because you are up by 20 most of the game. And Cat was playing well. And his whining and antics, and I was at the game. And, you know, I watched him you know, walk back to the tunnel doing his, you know, antics and so on and so forth, as well as, like I said, my other son, the 14 year old, 15 today, happy birthday, Nico, um, you know, is watching that. And, and, you know, he plays football from Minnetonka high school and, and he's like, yeah, that, you know, if our quarterback acted that way, we're never going anywhere, you know? Um, And so I think that there were probably was some conversation behind the scenes more so after the Pelicans game then maybe there would have been after the Celtics game. And I'd like to think that might've had something to do with Kat's demeanor in the Spurs game. Uh, I, because he very I, I much say, kept himself together. I, I would agree with you a hundred percent. Reasoning for that. It's no longer, it's no longer Kat's team. And the last five years, it's been Cat's team. And so when he is your superstar, when he is your all-star, and your team revolves around that person, mm-hmm. it's much harder to approach that person and say, hey, you need to start doing X, Y, and Z. When you you irritate that person, you get you push the wrong button in that person, and now that person's just no longer trying to support, or, or you're walking on much finer line with that person versus now, like I said, it's clear that the team can win games without Carl Anthony Towns. So now and you, have games. The ability, you have the ability to go to him and say, look, this is this is where we're at now. Like you're you're you they're not telling him you're no longer our face of the franchise, but it's pretty evident that we have some players now to where if for whatever reason you decided to check out and you decided to go your own route. The Wolves are going to be just fine. Now, obviously, we want you here and we want you to be a part of this because you're you're talented and, and you, we we have a love for you. You've been in Minnesota your whole career, um, but that stuff has to now go and they feel confident enough to go and approach him and say these things because they have something backing them up in case things don't go as smoothly as they would like it to. I, I agree. Dane Moore on the Dane Moore NBA podcast uh, basically um, talked about something that we've been saying is that trading cat would be foolish because it lowers the ceiling of your team. Right. Mm-hmm. And Dane was like, you know, you can get for the wolves to be, to be at a championship contending level. Carl Anthony Towns has to be on this team, yeah. you know? And, and I think, you know, we've been saying that since last May. Right. And, um, however, I would add the caveat that for the wolves to be at a championship contending level, Carl Anthony Towns has to be on the team and he has to be a managing contributor, both in terms of on court play and 
the emotional and psychological energy that he brings to the team mm -hmm. for them to be at their best. Yes, they can win in spite of him and his behaviors at times. But if they don't have to win that way, if they can win and have symmetry, if he can have symmetry um, with what's going on with the team, then you're really talking about a team that can really, really, really do something special. Mm -hmm. and, and, and to your point, what Anthony Edwards showed in the Boston game was everybody else on the team understands that we can win any given game because we have a player who can be and is likely to be the best player on the floor no matter who we're playing. Mm -hmm. That player is not Carl Anthony Towns. Mm -hmm. That player is Anthony Edwards, and that's where that torch passed in the Boston game. However, in order for them to maximize their team's potential, they need Carl Anthony Towns to be the San Antonio Spurs game, Carl Anthony Towns, both in terms of production and in terms of emotional management, night in and night out. Mm -hmm. And if they can get that, now you got yourself a team that is truly a championship contender, given everything else that's transpiring in terms of how they're playing defense, how they're establishing their identity and their style within that identity. And what we talked about, going again, going back to May, what do we say? If they can find their winning style where they're going to play their way night in and night out, it's going to be difficult for NBA teams to game plan for and adjust to because of the personnel that they have. And what you're finding is they're developing that style within their identity. The identity is defense. The style is big. We're going to be big. We're going to be long. We're going to impose our will on people with our size. That's going to be our style to play our identity. And it's causing teams problems. And, you know, to the point of the Spurs game, bringing it full circle to this particular game, early in the game, Rudy gets Wimby caught deep down in the hole under the basket and turns around and pounds on his head. That didn't go unnoticed by me for two reasons. One, when Wimby was guarding Rudy, they went to Rudy and Rudy got deep post position, right? And Wimby won a battle. I think he got a block on it, but it wasn't when he got it deep. The two times I noticed Rudy used his physical strength on Wimby and got him deep, one time he turned around and dunked on him. The other time he turned around and finished a nice little lefty layup on him. And again, that was, okay, how how are they going to score against the Spurs if the Spurs put Wimby on Rudy Gobert and let him roll? Well, the answer was, you might be 7'5 and super long, but I'm 7'2 and I'm bigger and stronger than you. And I'm going to get positioned as close to the basket as possible to the point where you can't do nothing about it. And that's playing to their style. Yeah, and I... You know, watching the beginning of that game, <laughs> the Wolves are gonna. They already have a target on their back. Like they are, they are have officially become one of those teams that teams come in trying to beat. They're, they're no longer a easy win. They're no longer a. We have to look pat, like the Spurs came in and they were flying around and they got out to a lead. And the Wolves, I don't, I don't think they was quite ready for that. I, I think that. They now it's great that they didn't go and try to match their pace and energy and instead kept playing their style of basketball, which was another growing uh, sign of growth throughout this team because the Spurs came out flying around, they came out hungry, they came out fast, 
and the Wolves just stay consistent the whole game. The Wolves stay consistent as they have been staying consistent, um, minus the you know a couple slip ups in the fourth quarter against the Pelicans. Um, but they showed maturity. They didn't get frazzled. Anthony Edwards didn't just try to go one on one and save everything by himself. He kept facilitating. He kept being a leader. Um, and and they looked, you know, start to finish. They looked like the Wolves that we've now I felt already accustomed to. Um, there's times where I get some nostalgia and think, oh boy, here we go again, but they've yet to do that this year. Um, and they've been very consistent and it, it, it lasted the entire game and they came out ahead and I, I give Cat his credit for stepping up to the challenge. Um, and he played, yes, he played well offensively, but defensively, um, he was, he was doing his thing as well. And so, um, you know, they got the, 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 exact opposite of them coming up here um back-to-back games with the Warriors um you know that was when Rudy came over here everybody was using the Warriors as like the the pillar if you got if, who's gonna guard Steph and Clay and and all these and Jordan Poole was there at the time and you know how they're gonna switch off of Rudy and, and guarding Steph and and they're never gonna be able to stop the three-point ball and all of that everything was focused on the 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 Warriors, because that was a championship quality team that was the exact opposite of what these Timberwolves were trying to build. And now they got them back to back with an opportunity to quiet all that noise, um, followed by the Suns. So the last three games, yeah, congrats. Great wins, Wolves. You guys did wonderful. Guess what? You got three more coming. I mean, that's, you know, that's the NBA this year. You know, we've mentioned it a couple of times that there's probably more skill in the league than at any time ever in the history of the league, and, and it's going to be a bloodbath. I, I posted on on X. I keep calling it Twitter because, yeah, whatever, Elon. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, if your mama named you Twitter, I'm going to call it Twitter. <laughs> it, takes, it takes one generation to remove the name Twitter, as does anything else. One, yeah. 80, 80 years and Twitter will be gone, but until then, it'll be here. Look, man, I'm 50. I just got used to Twitter. Now you want to change the name on me? They really playing with my emotions way too much, man. My brain can't process all that. But anyway, <laughs> but um, I want to push back a little bit on on uh, what you said, like the Spurs game, you know, I don't think, you know, the, they turned the ball over 18 times, far too many times. I don't think they played a great game through and through. Um, I think they played a good second quarter and a good third quarter, kind of much like the Pelicans game. I feel like they let go of the reins a little bit on the fourth quarter. Uh, hence, you know, they lost the fourth quarter by, what, uh, 10 points. Um, so I think that speaks a little bit to, you know, um, a little inconsistency, too high on the turnovers, a little bit of hero ball in the fourth quarter from Ant. Also, at the same time, I'll say some big shot making by Ant in the fourth quarter. Um, a little bit of a rough Jaden McDaniel game. Um, silly fouls, getting fouled out of that game, and he's been doing a good. He did a great job of staying out of foul trouble in the Boston game. Um, and um, so a little bit of a little bit of uh, a regression from Jaden in terms of that. So it wasn't their best game against the Spurs, but again, when you're committed to playing defense, you cannot play your best and still win games. You say, you know, 110 is a little bit high scoring output for a Spurs team that, you know, is not exactly an offensive juggernaut right now. Um, But I also feel like last year the Wolves give up, you know, 123 in that game, you know, something like that, and, and maybe even lose that game. So I think that that's important to note 
they got they they do have to get control of the turnovers. I feel that I feel like um I saw a stat. I think they're um they're sixth from the bottom of the league in turnovers. So they're they're committing a few too many turnovers, which is I think hurting them the most in terms of three point shooting. Um, because they're shooting a high percentage. I think they're in the top five in the league in three point percentage as a team, but they're not they're not getting many of them off. And I think that's a function of the turnovers. When you're turning the ball over, obviously you're not getting shot attempts. When you're not getting shot attempts, um, that's got to it's going to show up somewhere. Um, and so they got to the free throw line against the Spurs. They got to the free throw line 27 times, and thankfully Rudy's only had one crappy free throw game. Happened to be the Boston game. Keep in mind that the fact that Rudy shot two for eleven against Boston and they still beat him uh, two for eleven from the line. Um, so. There's a lot to improve going into the Warriors game, but you know, as a coach, you love it when you have a lot to improve in a win. When you win the game and feel like you have a lot of room for improvement, and you you feeling pretty good about things. They know they have to play better, um, and and so it'll be curious to see tonight what that looks like. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard anything as of um, we're recording this at about you know five o'clock on Sunday night. So I haven't looked to see if Ant's playing. I know that he's under the weather. Uh, I haven't looked to see if Nas is playing uh, after he tripped on his own leg and then hit his head and neck in a funny way against the stanchion, against the Spurs. Um, So I know they were questionable coming into the game. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they don't, I'm going to use the term, load manage uh, those two guys uh, so that Ant can, you know, get an evening of rest after not feeling well, although he loves the play, so it wouldn't be surprised me if he didn't grab a box of Kleenex and blow okay. snot on court. <laughs> Jordan can do it; he can do it, right? Um, but also, I you know, I think that they matched up well against Golden State last year, and I think that showed in the games they played against Golden State. I think they match up even better against Golden State this year because at the end of the day, Golden State's got to have Looney on the floor. Um, and they're going to have Draymond on the floor. Um, and I think Draymond is a great matchup for Carl Anthony Thompson, who's been playing really good defense this year. Um, and I think that Looney is a great matchup for Rudy because Looney, uh, except for when he's setting screens, is not going to go far away from the rim. It, you know, it really it, it's going to be interesting from the standpoint of, you know, Golden State, whether it's Looney or Draymond setting those screens. Um, or Draymond handling, they do pull your bigs away from the basket. But what Rudy and Cat have shown this year is that they can guard in space. And you don't have to guard those guys in terms of being worried about the three-point shot as much. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, you can't really play drop coverage against Golden State because that's just inviting disaster, you know, um, because they got this guy named Steph Curry and his other guy named Clay Thompson, and then they picked up this other guy named Chris Paul, and all three of those guys absolutely eat drop coverage for breakfast. Um, and But it makes me wonder, do they have to play drop coverage when you have Cat and Rudy on the floor? Can you trap Steph coming off those screens um, if Jaden can't get over him? Can you um, play high wall and stay up on Steph because if Looney dives or slips out of that screen, he's slipping or diving right into Carl Anthony Towns, and then you rotate from there. So, you know, or, or you know, and I'll 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 take Looney trying to score over Towns or trying to score over Gobert, 
you know, in the mid post or in the short roll any day of the week and twice on Sundays. So it'll be interesting to see how Golden State goes about attacking them. And it'll be interesting to see what Chris Finch does from a matchup standpoint in game one. Uh, if uh, Nas and Ant don't play, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes about the defensive strategy. And then assuming Nas and Ant are going to play in the second game, it'll be interesting to see what adjustments are made. Um, but what we know is we're not going to see a steady die to drop. Um, at least I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine. Um, but then again, Jade McDaniels is so good at getting over screens. Maybe you will see a steady diet of drop and he'll chase Steph, you know, over the screen and try to force Steph into the paint and let Rudy play two on one and die a slow death with Steph shooting floaters and finger rolls all night versus three pointers. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you got to give up something against Golden State, you know, and, and more teams have figured out the formula as of late. Um, but you're still dealing, and, and really the reason that teams have figured out the formula is because Clay Thompson in 2023 is not Clay Thompson, you know, before the Achilles and the and the ACL. Um, but you know, Golden State's coming off of a home loss. Woo, tonight's going to be a tough one. It's going to yeah. be. A tough they might not. Uh, Golden State looks like Gary Payton and Andrew Wiggins are both game time decisions as well, so that would change their team quite a bit as well. Yeah, and and if Ant doesn't play, I doubt Gary Payton plays. Um, because yeah. that bother. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, your Devin number Moon, one, Devin Moon number one score guard's not gonna play. Why our number one scoring defender, our number one defensive, <laughs> not gonna play either? Then, All right. Uh, but no, they don't. They, you know, like I said, they got those three wins, and at you know the Pelicans and the Spurs, I felt like they they took care of business. And they're not, you know, not every game is going to be perfect, and there's always going to be rooms for improvement. But at the end of the day, they found a way to get a W, um, and their their standard and their their consistency has been a lot better. Um, but they've got, like you were saying, the next. The NBA today, I mean, you've got the Warriors, the Warriors, the Suns, the Pelicans again with potentially a healthy Zion, followed by the Knicks, the 76ers. So, and the Kings um, after that. Yeah. And so the Wolves, you know, they're they're going to find out. But I think, it, I think it's great. I think it's great for them to be challenged this often early in the year because it's going to it's it's all about showing yourselves, you know, believing in yourselves and what you're capable of doing. Um, and to 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 beat these teams and be six and two right now, sitting up there in the top four seed of the West, um, you could just as easily be two and six. I mean, yeah. just just as easily you could we could be talking about a whole, whole another situation. And so I'd really be trying to fire Finch if that was the case. Man, Cat would be gone. Finch would be gone. Anthony Edwards would be the head coach, the GM, and, and <laughs> the shooter guard, the point guard, and the center all at the same time. So right, right. And, and and you just rattled down the upcoming schedule, and that's exactly why the starters were out there in the twenty point lead in the fourth quarter of the Pelicans game. Nobody has time to take the foot off the gas. There's no time to switch to flip off. We have to keep that switch flipped to on and high gear at all times because every night. Is going to be a war of attrition. The Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. It's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, people keep keep talking about how tough the West is, and you know we've already seen the Heat, the Celtics, the Raptors have snuck up and beat some people already. Uh, the Hawks, 
um, are, are, you know, showing that they're going to be quality all season long. And then you got the Knicks and the 76ers uh, coming up. So, you know, it's not just the West. The NBA right now is a bloodbath. And the teams that are committed to playing defense and the teams that are committed to a winning style that maximizes their personnel are the teams that are going to fare well as they try to navigate this gauntlet that is the 82-game regular season. Um, We got about four minutes left, man. I want to try to see if we can sneak this in. Um, Concerning trends and hope it never ends. Um, For the listeners, we're going to bring this segment back. And this is a segment in which Lance and I will find three things that are concerning about the Wolves uh, right now, which might be hard to do. And then three things and, and we'll each pick three what we are we can pick the same thing if he if he says something that was on my list or i say something that was on his list then that just expedites the process <laughs> three things that uh we hope that that are concerning and then three things we hope stays all the way through the regular season and through the playoffs um because we just hope it never ends right so so lance uh the new co-host you get to start as uh, the the official new co-host, we'll go ahead. You get first ball. Uh, what is your first concerning trend, sir? My first concerning trend would have to be catching consistent play. Um, I, I, you know, I know what he's capable of. We've seen what he's capable of. Um, and it's been the last two games have been great. The first four games, not so much. So uh, um, for me, it's just getting to see cat at his full potential on a nightly basis. Okay. Um, and, and and I'm just going to push back a little bit from my end. That's actually something I'm not concerned about because I truly believe that um, as Chris Finch, coach Finch has pointed out many times, cats had to make the biggest adjustment out of everybody on the team. And he didn't really get a chance to make that adjustment last year because of the injury and missing, you know, over two thirds of the season. And so we're seeing an extension of that adjustment in the early part of this season. And for me, I'm not overly concerned about that. Now, that's not all my hope it never ends list, obviously. It's just not as much of a concern for me because I feel like he's too good of a player to not find his way. I just think that the fans want it to happen right now. And I just think that, um, that that you know, I'm, I'm willing to wait about another 20 games before I'm concerned about his inconsistency. All right, so I, so that was so that was your first concerning trend. Yep. All right, so my first concerning trend is Jaden McDaniel's rebounding inconsistency. Um, when Jaden McDaniel's rebounds, they don't get killed on the boards. When Jaden McDaniel's doesn't rebound, they get killed on the boards. Case in point, and we'll just we'll just go with the last three games, right? Um because we're trying to stay on a week-to-week basis, right? Jaden McDaniels against the Celtics. Plays 45 minutes, grabs two rebounds. The Wolves win the rebounding battle 45. Well, actually, they tied 45-45, to 45, but they give up the offensive rebounding battle. They gave Boston 11 offensive rebounds to their six, right? Then we go to the Pelicans game. Jaden McDaniels plays 26 minutes, grabs zero rebounds. They win the overall rebounding battle, 48-40, to 40, but again, they lose the second chance points, the offensive rebounding battle. 
not quite as bad. We talked about the Pelicans being undermanned, but there's no way you should get out offensive rebounded and give up 11 offensive rebounds to the Pelicans. So the same amount that you gave up to the Boston Celtics. Now that's two games. Jaden McDaniels, almost 60 minutes, a total of two rebounds. Then we go to the Spurs game. Jaden McDaniels only plays 26 minutes, but he gets five rebounds. He fouls out after only 26 minutes. He gets, so that means he was in foul trouble, but he gets five rebounds in his limited minutes. The Wolves win the rebounding battle 51 to 38. They have 13 offensive rebounds to San Antonio seven. You can go all the way back to the first to, 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 to the Nuggets game where Jaden McDaniels grabs nine rebounds. The Wolves win the rebounding battle. So to me, he's an indicator of the rebounding battle. The rebounding battle is an indicator of the possession control game and his inconsistency, nine, two, zero, five in short minutes. I think the nine rebounds he had was in, you know, fairly short minutes. That's a concerning trend for me. He's got to get consistent on the boards. All right, your next concerning trend, sir. Uh, turnovers. Uh, oh, I think. That, both uh, that. Put that in one for each of us. That's my two as well. Continue. Um, the sloppy, yeah, sloppy play um, can cost you those games. Um, I when the, when the Wolves are playing solid, they're you know if. Cat can play consistently to his all-star potential, and the Wolves are able to take care of the basketball, which has been an issue for the past two, three years. This is not just a this-year thing, but they just make errant turnovers where they're just throwing the ball to nobody. Uh, I I think that that's another quality to bring them to that championship level. Uh, I think last game you mentioned they had 18 turnovers. Um and Ant and Cat both seem to just sometimes do some things that cost them possessions and they need as many possessions as possible. Every team does need as many possessions as possible to win games. Um, so seeing them take care of the ball and value it a little bit more um, and not as many errand passes is, is a concern of mine as well. And it, like I said, it's been this way for a couple years now. And those two had seven of them. You know, Ant had four. Cat had three of them, um, and that's almost par for the course for them, and that's concerning. I'm less concerned about the fact that Mike Conley had four after having only one all season up until last game, and I'm less concerned about the fact that Kyle Anderson had four because that's not you know typical of his um, possession management. Although I feel like his turnovers are up here, and he's he's a little more careless with them. Our dump offs to Rudy are trying to go up high. Um, and who's that? Uh, you know, I was always told you got to you know know who you're throwing to, and Rudy is not unless it's at the rim. Yeah, <laughs> you. Can I, I know for a fact that stuff. I know for a fact that two of Mike's at, at least that I recall um, were trying to get the ball to Rudy. Yeah, uh, yeah, but but and but I mean he had one. I think coming into the San Antonio game, he had a 35 to one assist turnover ratio. So that's got to come back to the, to, to, to light, you know, right. back down to earth a little bit. So, so turnovers was both of our two, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that was both of us. And, and your third concerning trend. 
go ahead with your third since I took that one. All right. Well, my third uh, concerning trend um, is the road right now. Um, and that's only a concerning trend because they've only played um, a small number of road games. But the fact that they didn't play great against the Spurs to get their first road win and then the way they blew the lead against Atlanta and then the way that they um, did not play very well against the Raptors. And there was that there was a couple times, first and fourth quarter specifically, where the Spurs game looked a little bit like the Raptors game in terms of um, shot selection um, and and the ball getting a little sticky. And uh, so I'm just, you know, it's it's not overly concerning yet. They were a decent road team last year, but, you know, we're nitpicking. But if I had to pick a third one, it would be um, how they're playing on the road so far. Um, I I could... I could agree with that. Um, I think that it all stems, you know, when you're at home, you get that energy. Uh, and you already know who I'm going to say brings it that energy. Um, mm-hmm. So if he's capable of bringing that energy wherever they go, I think that's a little less concerning. So, you know, if, if Ant does his job, I really don't think where that matters. They could be playing at the Rucker. They could be playing at the Y. Wherever Ant goes, if he is the dog that he is capable of being, um, he's going to shut up any crowd wherever they go. Um, I personally can't even think of another concerning thing at this point. I think the Wolves are playing good basketball for the beginning of the year. I think that um, a couple people are stepping up when they need to, um, and they're finding ways to win games. And I'm 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 happy to watch the Wolves every night. Um, but I think that every every night they have a chance to win games, as we've talked about, and that's that's something that I haven't felt you know years um so i'm I'm happy and i don't have my third concern well i'll steal your third one then uh shake milton is still uh not him not finding his way yet um is a little bit concerning just because he looks so out of sorts um and and you know and i think they really need him to be much better than Jalen noel was last year and right now, aside from the fact that he just doesn't shoot the team in the foot by taking as many bad shots as Jalen Noel took, um, he's not really bringing what they need from that role quite yet. And so that's something that I'll steal your 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 third one and just say, um, keep an eye on Shake Milton. I'm still a fan. I still think he's got a lot of game, um, but it's a little bit concerning uh, um, the the path that he seems to be taking to finding his footing. Um, with his role and and his impact, and and we'll see what happens if Ant doesn't play tonight. Um, you know, maybe that gives him a little bit more alpha scoring um, responsibility, and maybe that kind of gets him kick started a little bit. But uh, I, I, real quick, yes, as a player, the Wolves have a team basically that they had last year with a couple pieces gone, but they have pretty much the same core guys and they are putting so much focus on getting each other figured out before they can put any extra effort on getting a person who they need to get it figured out by the end of the year but right now yeah they're not there i and first and and i feel like shake milton knows how capable he is scoring and i feel like he feel like i feel like he feels like he's on a little bit of a leash in the sense of I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. 
and you see Ant walking up to McDaniel's and you see Ant going up to Rudy and you see this family that they that they have built with Nas Reed and they're they're gelling like that and you're the new man in. Um and I think that I, I hope it just takes a little time. Um, but I know as a player it can be tough to try to yeah. find your way um in in something that's being built and has been built over the past couple of years. As many times as you transfer, you should know what it feels like. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> tough. <laughs> Um, and, and, but I, I think you make a great point that or school I, I say I think you make a great point that their focus is very much like getting their core gelling and and I think you know fans are like other people have mentioned on on Twitter they're a little concerned about shaking um and and you know Chris Finch needs to play more of this person or more of that person but there's a reason why Shake Milton is getting as much leeway as he's gotten. I think once they get Shake going, Troy Brown Jr. will be next in terms of just getting him comfortable and acclimated on the court with those guys. But I, I do agree with you in the sense that their focus is getting their core guys that they need to win games right now going and playing the right way and, and with the style that they that they need to play with to win basketball games. And that over the course of the long haul, you know, the hope is that Shake will start to find his rhythm as well and you kind of get some of those ancillary bench guys going once their 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 core um their core eight is going um uh, uh, we, yeah. we, we're already over time but we got you know i'd like to try to keep us under an hour and 15 so you know we're about an hour and and almost an hour and 10 now so let's go with uh hope it never ends things that are rolling right now that we hope just stays rolling forever uh why don't you i get to go first on this one or you i can go first on this one I, I got a sneaking suspicion uh, about the same ones, but uh, that's uh, why I was going first. Or you want me to go first? Gonna shut it up. Yeah. I'm I'm going number one. Worst. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's the easy one. That's all right. Well, I think I think a lot of people can agree on it. Yeah, we, we hope this is the ant that we get, and we hope ant stays in Minnesota for the next decade and a half. And we hope this is the ant. You know, this is just. You know, obviously he's got a lot of room to grow and get better, but the trajectory, the leadership that he's taken on, the um, the statement that he made against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in Boston, um, the the fact that uh, no matter what's going on around him, he's instilling that belief in this team that you know, as long as I'm on the floor with you, we're gonna win. Uh, yeah. We have a chance to win. I agree with you 100. percent Anthony Edwards, a one, a five. <laughs> yes that um, it never ends go ahead with your number two number two uh just one second can't have that air man the wolves have a 75 percent win rate right now i hope that continues for the rest of the year that would be uh they that would be historic. Okay, <laughs> that, that, that would be historic. <laughs> so I hope it never ends. Yes, no that that would uh, yeah no if they can win seven out of every ten games that would definitely be um, that would definitely be something right. Yep. Um, you know they play eighty two games, so that's uh, eight sets of ten. You know, <laughs> times eight is 56. 
So if they give if that I, I I don't I don't know that a Wolves team has ever won more than fifty six games. They'd have 60, 61 and a half wins, so sixty two wins at the end of the year. Be sixty two. That, that 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 would be that that would be historic. That be that would be parts unseen around here. Yeah, <laughs> yes. if cat play, if cat's not your concern and he gets to where he needs to be, that's that's doable because they have talent all over the place. That did that's uh. In, in today's in today's West, ooh man, uh, that that would be that that would be iconic, and and that would make that would make and the MVP of the league. Yep, um, that would make Rudy Defensive Player of the Year for what a uh, fifth time, sixth time, something like that. Uh, that would that would make Cat All NBA again. Which is what Ant said he was trying to do at the beginning of the year. Minus him being MVP, Cat was MVP. But, yeah. Um, so what's what's your second hope it never ends? Uh, my hope it never ends. Um, man, the defense. Number one in the league in defense. And I hope they finish the season number one league in, in the league in defense. Uh I hope that they don't lose control of the rope of what's getting them to the finish line first in these games. Um, I hope that they continue to hold themselves to a standard of holding every team they play under 100 points. Yeah, and as a coach, you as, you as a coach, you pride yourself on defense, so I know you enjoy watching that. You know how I roll. Stay boring. Just bludgeon people to, be- to death with half-court defense. Take quality shots, sprint back, get your defense set, and just keep beating them over the head by making every shot difficult to the point where by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, they, they take it whatever's the first shot they can get because they're just worn down from having to fight so hard to get a quality shot. Mm-hmm. Just, man, the defense is the meat cleaver, and just go ahead and bludgeon people. And I know that's a very CSI, <laughs> you know, that's, that's probably – not the greatest metaphor, but you know, I, I love grimy, gritty, nasty, make teams want to quit defense. Yep. Um, my third and last uh open never ends is Mike Conley's youth. Man. <laughs> Cause watching him play basketball is a beautiful thing. And that for for his age, um, you know, him coming over here, I, I was hoping that this is the Mike Conley we would have gotten, but you also never know when you get up there. Father Time is a real thing. Um, but he has played, you know, he's been a, a true leader um, on this team. And I, I really hope, which is probably even less less likely to be 62 and 20 because um, Father Time has never lost. And so um, although it will end one day, I hope it's not before we find ourselves in a championship. Yeah, and he's uh, you know, we we talked about it. We talked about it uh coming into the season how jacked he looks, right? And and I said he looks like he spent an off season preparing himself to play for a full season. Well, what's that uh, had a point guard like this? When's the when's the last time they had a true all-star point guard? I mean, you know, before the ankle injuries, Terrell Brandon was a handful. Sam Cassell, obviously, in his in his one good year. Um, but yeah, man, he's uh this is you know, obviously Stefan Marbury was a different type of point guard. 
But yeah, Mike Conley is uh, a real facilitation. He's a real facilitation. What's your last one? The field goal percentage. Uh, As a team, effective field goal percentage, 55%. Three-point percentage, 37%. Two-point percentage, 54.7%. If you're playing defense and you're shooting a high percentage from the field, which means you're getting quality shots, um, that's a recipe for winning. Like you said, if we can if we can eliminate the turnovers and shoot thirty seven percent from three, you know, and turn a few of, a few of those turnovers, get those turnovers down to about ten eleven a game, and turn those extra possessions into three point field goal attempts, and continue shooting thirty seven percent, you know, I think that's a recipe for success. Obviously, for the Wolves, when they're not turning the ball over, the other team's not getting in transition. So if they can come down, because as we've talked about many times, a, a bad shot is as good as a turnover many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not taking a lot of bad shots, clearly. And the ones they are taking, they're getting them from the bad shot makers, mm-hmm. uh, i.e. Anthony Edwards, <laughs> you know. Um, and so if they can continue to shoot a high field goal percentage from two and three, then that's, you know, that's the recipe for success given the defense they're playing. All right, so sixty-two and t- and uh, twenty is the benchmark for the Wolves this year. In my, in my head, so we're gonna have a great to year go there uh, so, because so. they got two games against Golden State, Phoenix, <laughs> the New York Knicks, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Sacramento Kings coming up. So I'm not willing to go sixty-two wins, but I'll take fifty-two. I think fifty-two will get you a top three seed in the West. All right. Well, we're going to agree to disagree here because I got faith in my boys and Anthony Edwards about to be the MVP and Rudy Gobert about to be the defense player of the year. Cat go just be along for the ride. And see, here I am, the coach, trying to stay even killed and realistic. And here you are, the player, forever optimistic. We beating everybody's ass every game, every night. Every game. Got to believe it to achieve it. That's what you need. You need the coach to be the realist and the players to be the ultimate optimist going into every game, believing they are going to win. And as a coach, you just got to stay even keeled no matter what the result and focus on how we're playing and let the outcomes take care of themselves. Well, she does a great job. Yes, he does. Twin Cities and around the world. Wolves fans and basketball fans, you've been tuned in to the Coach and the Culture podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation. Uh, oh, by the way, that concludes concerning trends and hope it never ends in case they hadn't gathered that. <laughs> and uh, uh, we really enjoyed the conversation. We hope you guys did as well. The Timberwolves will be tipping off against Golden State in Oakland. Uh, actually, they are no longer in Oakland. Now they're in San Francisco uh, in about an hour and a half here. And I won't be watching the game live. I'll be watching it on delay because I'll be with my family eating some yams over a bonfire along with some other vittles and hanging out with my son and my daughters and my daughter-in-law and, and celebrating birthdays. We got birthdays all around. Happy birthday, Nico. Happy birthday, Kaya. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'll be doing. But I will be watching the game when I get home, so don't be sending no spoilers. You act like I'm not going to be right there with you. I know we'll both be in our phones, <laughs> hanging out with family and in our phones watching the Timberwolves game. <laughs> yeah. I already know. For the super producer, Lloyd Leon Coop, I am Coach Frank. 
Mr. Lance Gardner, not only the proprietor of Yes Trees, but also co-host of the Coach and the Culture podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you recording next Sunday, airing next, hopefully by next Monday. Peace.